ask you to take your Bibles. We're looking in the book of John again this morning. We was in John chapter 12 last week. We're going to continue there uh, today. So John 12, we're going to uh, actually, we're going to pick up in, uh, in verse 4. We read the, we started verse 1 last week, but we're going to pick up in verse 4 uh, today. And now we're talking about Judas today, the betrayer of Jesus. And uh, somebody said, boy, that's a real downer subject. And uh, listen, when you're studying the Bible, there's always, always benefit from studying. And so hopefully we can be able to gain wisdom and knowledge today. So let's pick up John 12, verse 4. But one of his disciples, this is after Mary now, had had anointed Jesus with that uh, costly perfume and oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. He had the money box, and he used, used it to take uh, what was put in it. Basically, if John, as he looks back on things, he recognizes that uh, Judas was not an honest person and had taken advantage of them. And so somebody had told me, he said, you know, Judas, I just kind of feel sorry for him. I, I can relate to him. And here's what John's saying. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about him. He wasn't an honest man. And let's just stop there. We, we read those verses. So let's go ahead and stop there and have prayer, okay? Dear Lord, I just ask your blessings today as we study. We want to be able to grow in wisdom and knowledge. We want to be able to be closer to you. So may you just be at work today. Fill us with your spirit. Allow each of us just to sense today that you're working and speaking to us. Help us to be excited, Lord, about knowing you, about knowing that regardless of what's taking place, you're ultimately in control. And Lord, there is nothing that's impossible with you. And we have hope all because of Jesus Christ. I pray your blessings now upon each one. And we ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Anytime that you start studying about Judas, you know what people point out? You know, of the disciples, people will name their children, their son. They'll name them Peter, James, John, Andrew, Thomas, Nathaniel. But you don't see anybody being named Judas. They, don't, they just don't name their children after, uh, after Judas, the betrayer. You know, in New York, after uh, the Revolutionary War, they were going to build statues for four generals. Ended up being only three were placed there. The fourth one they didn't do. You know who it was? It was supposed to have been for Benedict Arnold. and They did not uh, end up placing that. He betrayed the nation. I heard a story about a burglar that had broke in and, and a couple came back and they actually caught this burglar. He pulled a gun on him and he said, listen, you've seen my face, I'm going to have to shoot you. He said, but I want to know your names first. And so he asked the woman, he said, what's your name? She said, my name's Elizabeth. And he said, well, that's uh, my mom's name. He said, I couldn't shoot Elizabeth. So she looked at the guy and he said, what's your name? He said, well, my name's Joe, but they call me Elizabeth. <laughs> well, one thing that they don't call people, is, is, that, uh, at least in a nice way, is Judas. So let's start today, because today we've gotten such a mixed up world, though, 
to where we do movies where we glamorize uh, murderers and people that, are, that do big crime and almost make them to be the hero. And so sometimes people can feel that way about Jews. But let's first of all today, let's just look at some facts about Judas. Just some things that just may help us as we study him. And so here's a, the first thing I, I want you to, uh, to put down. And by the way, I'm going to give you a, a passage of Scripture with each of these. And so you may just want to jot that passage of Scripture down by it. And so the first one is this, that uh, Judas, he was not a believer. He was not a believer. And here's a verse for you to write down beside that. John 6, verse 64. John 6, verse 64. And I want to read that to you. So you mark that down. Here's what it says. Uh, but there are some of you who do not believe. This is what Jesus said. And then John says, For Jesus knew from the beginning that they, who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. So there in John 6, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he points out, there are some people that say they follow me that do not believe. And then and John adds, Jesus knew. He actually had a disciple that did not believe and that would betray him. And so let's get this straight. Judas was not a believer. That's just hard to believe that he hadn't trusted in Jesus, that he would be able to hear Jesus' teaching, that he would be able to see Jesus' miracles and yet not believe. But that's the truth. J Judas was not a believer. Um, and, and some may say, "How? I just don't understand that. Well, listen, his heart, and we got that picture here in John, his heart was upon money. His heart was upon being popular, was be having power. And that's what he was interested. He was focused upon temporal things, not eternal things. Therefore, he missed the truths, and he did not trust Jesus as Messiah. Here's what Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you can't serve both God and manna. He said, you're going to love one, you'll hate the other. You'll cling to one, you'll despise the other. And that's basically where Judas was at. His love was for money. Here's another, the second thing I want us to see is, he was like the devil. Now, write this verse down. This is also in John chapter 6. This is verse 70. Verse 70. Peter makes this big confession. And so then Jesus adds, after Peter had made this confession, and he was speaking on behalf of not just himself, but all the disciples. But then Jesus answered, here's verse 70, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you, is a devil. And John adds this, he spoke, or the Bible adds this, he spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. And so Jesus recognized he was like the devil. The devil is an enemy of God, an enemy of what's good. The devil hates what's good. Now, the word... Uh, uh, 
devil, it means someone that is a slanderer or an accuser. And so Judas was that. He was like the devil. He had traits of the devil. Here's a third thing, and we found that in our passage that we read. Here in John chapter 12, that he was a thief. He was interested in money. And so he said, hey, why wasn't this perfume sold? You notice he's willing to criticize what other people do. He says, why wasn't this sold? We could have got 300 denarii. We could have had a year's wage. Just think how many people that we could have helped with that. And John is saying, listen, you can't pay attention to what he's saying. He's interested in the money because he's got plans for it himself. A lot of times when people can criticize ministry, they got other types of plans and terminations, sometimes it's selfish motives. And so he said he was a thief. We also read in, in Matthew's gospel in the 26th chapter, there in verse 14, that Judas had decided at that time that he would betray the Lord. And so he went to the high priest and he said, hey, I'm willing to make a deal. How much would you give me? if I delivered Jesus over to you. And they said, we'll give you 30 pieces of silver. And so Judas said, okay. And from that time on, the Bible tells us, he began looking for the opportunity to be able to betray him. And so he was, a th- he was interested in money. That's the point. That leads me to the next point, which is that the next fact is he is a betrayer. And Do you know in the Bible, whenever Judas' name is mentioned, throughout the New Testament, you know what it says? The one that betrayed Jesus. Isn't that interesting? And so, for example, in Mark chapter 3, verse 19, it mentions the disciples, and there it says this, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Mark 14, 21, said the Son of a Man, indeed... Go, uh, indeed goes, just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Uh, speaking of Judas. In Matthew 10, 4, he's listening to the disciples again. And you know what he says when he gets to Judas? The one that betrayed him. In Luke 6, 16, mentioning again the disciples, it says the one who betrayed him. Every time there's a list of disciples, when it mentions Judas, they'll say he's the one that betrayed him. And so, uh, one of the things that we see is is that Judas was a betrayer. He could not be trusted. And let me add one other. If you've got taken notes, we don't have this one listed. I'm just going to give you an extra bonus. So this will be E on your outline. And that is, he was a son of perdition. Which, the word perdition means destruction, waste. That's Judas. If we're describing him, he was a time of waste. You know, in the book of Revelation, in chapter 21, there it says, speaking about heaven, when you get up to heaven, do you know that the disciples, the twelve, they're going to be honored. They're going to be recognized. But let me tell you, Judas is not part of that. He betrayed Jesus. He What a what an opportunity was given him. He's the son of perdition. That word basically means destruction or waste. And he wasted that opportunity. 
He, which is funny, you know, he desired popularity. And then he had a chance for eternity to have his name recognized. All of heaven. And yet, he blew it and wasted. He had the opportunity of doing ministry and making an eternal impact. Yet he, he wasted it. It was, instead he destroyed his life. He was a son of perdition. And so these are facts about Judas. And I give these to you because if you're going to study him, you've got to have these kind of in the background, knowing these truths about him. And so now let's move to our second thing we want to look at this morning, and that is this. If these things are true about Judas, and Jesus already knew these things, then why in the world would Jesus choose him? Why would Jesus choose him to be a disciple? And so I've got four things I've listed here for you. So here's the first one. And that is, is that we know that he was an unbeliever. And so here's the first thing that we need to do. Jesus, I think, is putting an emphasis on it is so important that your salvation is real. That it's real. I believe that Jesus, would look, he would look out in time at the church, and he, this would be true. That just because you're in church doesn't mean you're a Christian. You see, Judas was with the twelve all the time. Judas... He got to actually hear Jesus preach and teach. And yet, he's not a true believer. He got to witness miracles after miracle. But he's not a true believer. He got to see people and their faith. But he's not a true believer. Which points us to this, that, see, just because you're in church... Just because you have a position. He was one of the twelve. Just because you give money or you do a few good things doesn't make you a real believer. And so, why did Jesus choose him? To cause us to stop and think we need to be able to make sure that we're actually Christians. Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 13.5, he said, you need to examine yourself. Don't take, what you're, don't take this for granted. We're talking about eternity, and you need to make sure that your decision for Christ is real. Now, there's two things that have to take place. You have to repent of your sin. Remember John the Baptist, when he came on the scene, he preached repentance. It's an individual decision. It's not a decision that a nation makes. You see, being a Christian, it's not being an American. Being an American citizen doesn't make you a Christian. Being a church member doesn't make you a Christian. It's not the family that you're a part of. It's an individual decision and it requires repentance. Repentance, what is that? It's a turning away from sin and a turning toward God. And it takes faith, putting your faith in Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the Son of God, lived a perfect life, and He died upon the cross as a substitute for you. And so what he did, he paid your penalty, and his death upon the cross, his shed blood can apply to you. And Jesus said, I'll make it a gift, and you receive it by faith. Repentance and faith, repentance from sin and faith in Jesus Christ. 
That did not take place. And Jesus, I believe, is warning us, we need to make sure that our salvation is real. Here's a second thing, and that is that Satan sold seed among God's people. Now listen, Jesus actually chose Judas, but Jesus would look in time, and he would be able to see that Satan would be active against God's people, and he would do so by placing hypocrites within the church. And so Jesus even spoke of a parable, and so if you want to write this down, Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 24. So in Matthew 13, beginning in verse 24, Jesus, here's what he said, he said another parable, he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed good seed in his field. But while he slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, there were tares also. So the servant of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in the field? How then does it we have that we have tares? He said to them, An enemy's done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather these tares, you will also uproot the wheat with them. And then he tells them, uh, let it both grow together until the harvest. And at that time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares, bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Jesus knew that the church would be faced with hypocrisy. And so he set an example for us. How did Jesus conduct his ministry knowing there was a hypocrite among them? You know what? He stayed focused upon his ministry. Jesus would not get distracted. He stayed focused upon doing what the Father, what God wanted him to do. And it is important for us. So you see, people all the time say, well, I can't go to church, too many hypocrites. Jesus would tell you, no, the church is essential. The message and the truth of the Bible is essential. And we can't lose that focus just because they're hypocrites. There's always going to be hypocrites. There's always been hypocrites. But the truth is the truth. And it's something that we need to stand on. It's the only thing that's going to, admit to really matter in eternity. And so we cannot allow hypocrites, people that say one thing and do another, that really don't have a relationship with the Lord, keep us from serving Him. So we got to get our eyes off of them and get it on the Lord and stay focused on the ministry that He's given us. And who knows? Maybe by doing so, we can help to lead those individuals to Christ Himself. And so, Jesus, why did he choose him? Because he knew that Satan would be at work sowing seed among God's people. And he gave us an example how to handle that. Here's a third reason. And that is this, that Scripture must be fulfilled. Scripture must be fulfilled. Now, we was reading in John 12. And in John 13... Uh, you have where they washed the washing of the disciples' feet, and where they uh, 
have the last supper. And when you go down to verse 18, Jesus said this. He said, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. And Jesus is quoting from Psalm 41, verse 9. By the way, the book of Zechariah also prophesied that, that he would uh, be betrayed, sold for 30 pieces of silver. Betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, excuse me. But Jesus says, Scripture got to be fulfilled. Now, some people that may uh, be confusing, but here, let me tell you something about God. God, He knows about all the past, the present, and the future. Do you know that God knows exactly what I'm going to do tomorrow? Do you know He knows exactly what's going to take place in my life a year from now? He knows what's going to happen 10 years from now. I don't even know if I'll be living, but do you know that God knows? He knows. So He, he, he knows all things. And because God knows all things, He could tell you about it if He wanted to. And in the Scriptures, sometimes He does. He allows us to see prophecy. He allows us to see things that's going to happen in the future. And so, what we see is that God knew long ago that Jesus would be betrayed. And so, Scripture would be fulfilled. You, you know what that tells us? You can count on God's Word. You've been studying, many of you have been reading God's Word. And some people might say, you know, uh, uh, sometimes it, it's hard. I can tell you it's worth it. This Bible, it is an amazing book, and it is true. And you keep reading it because uh, it's God's Word, and it's not like any other book. And the Spirit of God, as you continue studying it, will help you to have understanding. It'll help, it'll use passages to begin to speak to you, to help you, to change you. You stay faithful in reading God's Word. And so, so that Scripture could be fulfilled. And that just gives us more confidence that the Bible is the Word of God. And then here's a fourth thing. Why did He choose Him? And it has to do with the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. Now listen, that's, here's what that means. Sovereignty means that God is ultimately in control. And nothing can change that. Now, somebody will say, you think just because God knows everything, that's what makes Him sovereign? No, I don't think that. What makes God sovereign, that's a part of it. What makes God sovereign is that He does. He's all-knowing. But He's also all-powerful. He's all-present. And all those things put together makes God sovereign, which means He's ultimately in control. And you even saw that in Jesus' life. Let me go back to John chapter 6. Let me just explain something that took place in John 6. In John 6, you have the feeding of the 5,000. And you know what the Bible tells us? It said after Jesus fed all those people, they were ready to force him, to force Jesus to be their king. 
Who do you think put him up to that, by the way? Do you know that the disciples organized them? They passed out all the, the food. Wouldn't it be something if Judas, and I don't doubt it at all, would have said, we need to make him king. And he rallied those people, and they all were motivated, and they wanted Jesus to be king. And you know what the Bible tells us? That Jesus got away and went off by himself to pray. You know why? Because Jesus was not going to allow them to force him to do something out of the will of God. Because God is sovereign. And it doesn't matter who you are, you're not ultimately going to change God's plan. And so, choosing Judas helps to just show us that God is sovereign. Things happen according to God's plan and at God's time. Now, let's just go back and as we talk about Judas, let's go back and clear up a couple of misconceptions about Judas, okay? So here's the first one I want us to, because some people will say this about Judas. They would say, here's why I feel sorry for Judas. He had no choice. It was predicted in the Bible what would take place. And that Jesus basically was, God, Jesus in John 17 said he's the son of perdition. And so, some people would say, there's just no choice. Let me tell you something. Jesus, Judas did have a choice. And I want to give you a couple of verses. And I want you to write these down and you just think about these, okay? So, uh, the first one is James chapter 3. Uh, no, excuse me, James chapter 1. This is verse 13. So, James 1 verse 13. Okay, James 1, verse 13. Here's what it says. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Do you understand that? God is not about evil, doing evil, or causing people to do evil or be evil. And so for us to say, God made Judas so that he, for the specific purpose of betraying Jesus to be a sinner, and he has to be that way. No. James doesn't say, God doesn't tempt anybody except Judas. He didn't make anybody to do evil except Judas. He doesn't say that. There is no exceptions. So when people choose to do evil, it's not because God made you that way. God didn't make you to do evil. He didn't make you to disobey His commands. He goes on, you know what he, he goes on here in James and He tells us, you know why you do that? Because each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and is enticed. And then you give in to those desires and sin is conceived. And then after sin is conceived, death is going to take place. And that's exactly what happened with Judas. It was a choice that he made. You can start seeing that choice back in chapter 6. And so Judas, he wanted Jesus to be king there because he wanted the power. And when, Judas, when Jesus said he got away from him 
And then Jesus come back. They went through that storm on the sea. And then all the people show up on the, the other side. And Jesus said, you know, uh, I, if you want eternal life, you've got to be able to eat of me, the bread of life. And people turned away. And Jesus said, well, are you all going to turn away from me too to the disciples? And that's when Peter speaks up, speaks up and says, where will we go? We're not going anywhere. You're the Lord. You have the words of life. But he was speaking for everybody but Judas. Because at that time, even Jesus right then, he recognized God, Satan's already at work. And Judas is already, because of his heart, he's struggling. And Jesus has given him a warning right there. But he ignores the warnings. I'm telling you, God, right now, there's some people he's already at work in your life giving you warnings. He loves, he's wanting you to be able to turn. But the more you harden your heart, the more it becomes set within you. And, and as you go through the New Testament, it, the further you went along, Judas, he became, he, he, he was turned off by Christ. Because he wasn't who he thought he was. He wanted someone that was going to give him money, authority. Down here upon earth, to make him rich, Jesus wasn't the Messiah he wanted. So he began to distrust and even have a hatred toward Christ. And so here's the misconception. Judas had no choice. No, he had a choice. And he chose sin. He chose to go away from Christ. He chose to betray Him. Here's a second misconception. Some people believe that Judas was actually saved and then lost. No, I think it's pretty clear in Scripture. And we already looked at John 6, 64. Jesus already, he, he wasn't a believer. Jesus made that clear. And then in John 17, when Jesus is praying, He said, Lord, I've got all these. They're all safe except the son of perdition, the one of destruction, the one that's wasted this opportunity, the one that really is not a believer. You see, Jesus was never a believer, so it wasn't that he was saved and then lost. I heard Adrian Rogers say, Jesus, he said, you know, Jesus said, if we trust in him, he'll grant us, believe in me, and that belief means trust. I'll give you eternal life. And he said, let's just suppose Jesus gave somebody eternal life. They lived for him for 10 years and then turned away and they didn't have it. He said, you know what? Then that means he didn't give them eternal life. They only got 10 years worth of life. Or let's say somebody did that for 50 years and turned away. He said, you know what that means? They didn't get eternal life. They only got 50 years. But you know what Jesus promised us? If you give your heart and life to Him, that He would grant you eternal life. You know what a gift that is? What assurance and peace. That's what the, it is not the Lord's will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. To, that all. That all of us would be able to have a relationship with Every single person. It's not God's will that you would perish. It's God's will that you would know Him. 
And God wants you to be able to have a peace and to know that you have eternal life. So it's a gift that He grants you. And so in John 10, Jesus said, no man can pluck you from my hand. In Romans 8, Jesus said, or the, the, the Bible says that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Judas was not a person that was saved and that was lost. Now, Judas, he ended up, some people would say, you know, he ended up recognizing his problem. And he said, he went back after he had taken that money. He went back, he betrayed Jesus with a kiss. And when he came to kiss Jesus, it tells us in Luke's gospel, Jesus stopped and he asked him, he said, you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When you kiss somebody on the cheek, you know what that meant? It meant they were a friend. And you're coming, acting like you're a friend and betraying me? I'm sure that replayed in his mind. And it haunted Judas. And he went back and he took that money and he dumped it in front of the priest. He said, I have sinned. I've betrayed innocent blood. And then Judas went out and he hung himself. You see, there was no repentance. There was no turning. If he would have turned to Christ, he could have been forgiven, but he did not. There's no repentance. The good news for you today is you have an opportunity. The Holy Spirit, you're here. And it's not too late. The Spirit of God is at work. And you can be able to turn and be able to get right with the Lord. If you don't know Christ, today you have an opportunity to be able to come and to be able to have a relationship with Christ. You may have been playing church. You may have been coming for the wrong reasons. But God is speaking today, and He's got your attention. And today's an opportunity for you to have a real relationship with the Lord. Hypocrisy has kept you from really getting serious about God. And it's time to stop it and to get focused upon Him and not worry about someone else. I've got to be able to focus upon God. There's so much that needs to be done. There's so many needs of ministry that needs to take place. I need to be able to get focused and be able to do it. Friend, let's take a moment. Let's have prayer. Lord, I thank You for a chance. We're looking at Scripture. Lord, we're looking at people, characters, individuals, people that played a role in the Easter story. Lord, today's was not an easy one looking at Judas. But there's truths that each of us need to be able to look at in our own lives. And so today, may Your will be done. And Lord, may You help each of us as we make decisions for You to be honest. May they be real. And may Your Holy Spirit just be able to be worked so that at work in our hearts and lives and making these decisions so You can be honored and glorified. And so Lord... Today, may your will be done. May you help people to have courage and may they seek you out.
I pray your blessings now upon each one in Jesus' name. Amen.